Yo, welcome to the Oilcast from March 12th, 2017 with your host, George Eliopoulos. It was a very, very disappointing loss at home for the Oilers against the Montreal Canadiens. Today I discuss why this was the worst game in almost three weeks, a big power play opportunity we missed, and a college free agent we might sign on. I also review the Pens game since I missed that one. But first, the recap. The game started with very little excitement relative to the past few games, but that changed five minutes in when Darnell Nurse dropped the gloves with Montreal's enforcer, Michael McCarron. Nurse went blow for blow with the big man in what was one of the better fights you'll see. The fight was about the only entertainment of the period, though. There were no goals or even high-quality chances to speak of, and I found it to be maybe the most lethargic period the Oilers have played on this homestand. And then the second, it was time for someone to step up for the Oilers, and that man was Milan Lucic. He completely outmuscled Alexi Yemlin for the puck, went in on a two-on-one, and buried the unassisted marker Pascari Price for his 15th of the season. Most of the period was spent in the Oilers' end, but the score remained 1-0 heading into the third. Ironically enough, I thought the third was easily the best period by the Oilers, but Carey Price kept it a one-goal game with a couple great saves, particularly one on Patrick Maroon. And then with six minutes left, Brennan Gallagher led a four-check like a man possessed and eventually found uh, Philip Deneau, who fed Paul Byron out front for the equalizer. Then just a minute nine later, a weird bounce gave the Habs a 2-1 lead. Galchenik was given credit, but the puck tipped off the shaft of Clefbaum's stick, and Cam Talbot had no chance. Paul Byron and Max Pacioretty both scored goals on the empty net. It was a 4-1 Habs final. So that was a weird one, a shitty one, but definitely a weird one. And I say that because it's it's kind of what I found in this game was that the stuff that would seem good on paper were actually bad. And the stuff that seemed bad was actually good. And I'll, I'll explain kind of what I mean by that. But I'll start by kind of saying that I thought the first two periods were probably the worst periods we played since the Tampa game uh, back almost three weeks ago. That was nine games ago. Uh, and it was, I thought easily this was the worst game since then. But, of course, we led out one nothing after that one. Or at the end of two, I should say. Uh, it, it started with a really underwhelming first period. I thought it could have been a lot worse than 0-0, which was the score. Uh, if And that was purely based on the fact that I thought the Habs just didn't come out firing either. Had this been, say, the Penguins, although we were, of course, losing 2 nothing, partially because of one bad bounce with McDavid, had, had it been the Pens, though... This could have been a game where it was three nothing, and we were just we were just completely behind the eight ball going into the second period. I thought we just got kind of lucky that the Canadians didn't come out playing hard either. Um, I'll also say that is why I actually like Darnell Nurse fighting. Um, he fought five minutes in against Patrick McCarron, uh, pardon pardon me, Matt McCarron, and I thought it was a really well timed fight. I kind of I really don't like this whole argument of fighting because I'm kind of on the fence in the sense that I don't think we need guys fighting 20, 30 times a year. I think it's we're just seeing the effects that it has on players and CTE and all that stuff. It's just not good. But at the same time, I think fighting absolutely has a place in hockey. And I don't agree with the people that say it should be taken out. And I thought that was kind of an example because here, Darnell Nurse realized that this was a lethargic game. Um, every home game the last few, whether we've come out scoring or not, it's been pure energy. We've gotten the crowd into it. And I thought he was very perceptive, realizing that we needed to do something. And although it didn't really work out, I thought he had a chance to really light a fire under the team's ass by by fighting McCarron, who is I mean, list at six five. He's a he's an enforcer, and Nurse definitely won the first half of the fight. Lost the second half, probably call it a draw. But he went blow for blow with the big man. I was I was really impressed with that. But even even going into the second period, although we did get the one goal, I I thought we were dominated throughout. The the shots finished off twenty six sixteen at the end of two, and I thought all four lines kind of played below where the where where you'd like them to as their average game. 
Um, the only positive really here to throw in was that Milan Lucic had that one great play. I don't even think the second line played well tonight. It was really just one great play by Lucic, and it really was a great play. He completely unmuscled Yemlin, created the two-on-one, and, I mean, it's not often anyone beats Carey Price one-on-one, and he beat him beat him far side. It was a great shot, so impressed by him. And I will say, though, that it was more the forwards who I fault for the the poor performance than the defense. I thought that... The defense was more just poor at getting the puck out of the zone and creating offense for the forwards, which you can put some blame on them as well for that. But in terms of defensively around the net, I actually thought they did, a, they did quite a good job considering we were outplayed so much. Really, you look at the first two periods, we didn't give up a goal, and it's not as though Cam Talbot had to make a ton of great saves. We we did a pretty good job of keeping them to the outside, not having any sort of miscues or breakdowns in front of the net, stuff like that. So, I mean... the. There's a little bit of a positive there. Chris Russell is the only D-man I'd like to single out as kind of having a poor game the first couple periods. He was the only one that I thought missed a couple of assignments, um, turned the puck over a couple times. And I will give him credit because he did, in the third period, have a great back check on what should have been a two-on-one and got all the way back to cover his man and prevent a pass across. Um, just, Just not very happy with his performance overall. One of the things particularly, though, that I didn't like in the second period was... The fact that we got a double minor, it was around halfway through the mark uh, period and Matt Hendricks took a stick to the face, uh, went down, he drew the double minor. And up to that point, it was, I, I mean, I thought really the first, right up until that halfway point, that was when the Oilers were just really bad, outplayed the entire time. And I sort of saw this and I was like, well, blessing here, let's go. I mean, this is the chance the Oilers have now the seventh ranked power play, we've been been showing our skills. This is all good. This is this is an opportunity here. This is where we have to go go to work, get this goal, and establish establish ourselves. Get that two nothing lead, turn the tide, and really go from there. But although we got four shots, two pretty good chances. One for uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins off the rush, and another slap shot for Drysaitel, which really I thought that was a pretty good chance. It was just that Carey Price is so good at anticipating and got right over there. Um, other than that, though. It, we didn't get enough consistent offensive zone presence. We didn't do enough uh, to really generate when we were in the zone, getting good opportunities. And it was just, it's just a huge missed opportunity. I have no problem with not scoring every game on the power play. You're not going to do it all the time, but you look at just certain times and, and there's a feeling you get, like sometimes you feel like you're going to score. Sometimes you feel like you need to score. And this was one of those, we needed to score. We got that power play. You looked up, you saw, 10 minutes left in the second period. We've got four minutes here to get a 2-0 lead when we know as a team that we're not playing our best. This is kind of the opportunity to turn that around and and really take the game over, but we just didn't do it. And I will say, though, that um, looking... I, I took a look at the uh, the power plays in, in recent games just because I wanted to see exactly how they've been doing, and they were 1-for-6 on the three games on this road trip, and they were actually really hot before, Uh but the one thing that I wanted to note was that in the six games prior to tonight, uh, and then tonight, of course, we only got two chances. It's three power plays because one of them was a double minor. But prior to this, it was 12 power plays in the six games prior to tonight. And I'm I'm not big on the whole bashing referees saying we didn't get uh, opportunities and stuff. And frankly, I, even though we haven't gotten many opportunities, I don't think that there's been noticeable uh, missed calls and stuff like that. I, th- I just think it's something to note that we've only had 12 power plays in six games I mean, two per game is a very low clip to be going at and puts a lot more pressure on the power play to be great as opposed to just good. So just something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, I, I I hope that things turn around in that, and I'm not sure 
what's what's going to change. But just want to see that. Obviously, you know that McDavid gets a lot, draws a lot of penalties. That's kind of what he does with his speed. He's going to do that consistently. But hopefully, he continues to get some calls, and we'll see how that is going forward. And I haven't really talked that much about Cam Talbot recently, and this was an interesting one because I. All the stuff that I've that I've been that I've been saying so far was kind of I was gonna say that before the two goals came in anyway. I was gonna talk about even if we won one nothing. I thought it would have been a good opportunity had we won nothing one nothing to kind of say that look, winning isn't everything. We played terrible tonight and it was just we kind of hung on by the skin of our teeth. And same goes for Cam Talbot. I although I was ho- hoping, of course, with ten minutes left that we're gonna hang on, win one nothing, and. I thought it was going to be weird to come on and, and have a one nothing game when the Oilers gave up a ton of shots. I mean, the final shots were 35-24 in favor of the Habs, but I was going to come on here and talk about how I didn't think Cam Talbot actually played that great. I thought that he gave up a lot of rebounds, like significant amounts that could have gone very poorly. Uh, I know Adam Larson had a great clear on one of them. I believe Chris Russell had one as well. Maybe it was Darnell Nurse. Um, but definitely not his sharpest game he made the saves he had to but like I said earlier I thought the defense did a pretty good job of limiting the chances to those b slash c grade scoring opportunities nothing that Cam Talbot had to do to really steal the game um but kind of all talking about how everything that seemed good was bad and like I said here zero goals for the longest period of time seems good but I didn't think Cam Talbot was bad on the flip side of that I don't really blame him for anything that happened at the end of the game. The first goal was, a, was it started with just a fantastic play from Gallagher. I have to point out that he was phenomenal all game, really looked great and was the catalyst for the third goal or for the first goal. But the point is that came right, right out front and that was, that was a very difficult save. Had Talbot made that save, I think I would have changed my tune in terms of coming on. You're saying you didn't play that well. That, that was a really tough goal. And then the second one, I mean, just no chance. It was a flick saucer pass. I was trying to go through the crease. I think it was even trying to be like a, a pass that was just maybe going to go to the corner. I'm not sure. But it hits Clefbaum's stick and goes bar down as Cam Talbot's all the way across his crease. Just nothing you can do about that. So I'm not faulting him for anything that happened towards the end of the game. But I just didn't think he looked as sharp as someone who had made the say, first 32 saves of the game could have looked. Um, not not a huge deal either way. Just just something I thought I'd point out. And I, I want to then, I guess, talk about how I did miss the last game. I'm sorry to everyone that was listening and hoping to get an oil cast after the Pens game. Obviously not a game I wanted to miss. Crosby McDavid round two of this season. I really wanted to, really, really wanted to do that game. But I was actually uh, calling the BC Boys Basketball Provincials. And it was a late night and I had to be there early in the morning tomorrow so or the day after. So I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I didn't come here afterwards and watch the game. I, I just went home, watched the game, and didn't have the energy, of course, to record anything. But I'll just say a couple of points about that game. First, that I was really impressed with the Oilers overall. I mean, I think everyone, if you watch the game, despite not getting the full two points, you came away being like, wow, we came back from 2 nothing at the end of the first period against a great, great Stanley Cup winning great Penguins team and really severely outplayed them. In the last two periods, and really even the overtime, I thought, um, and and probably should have gotten two points of that game. So it was a really impressive performance. But the most obvious and important thing to talk about from there was McDavid versus Crosby, because last time they played, McDavid had three points and really dominated the game. And then Sidney Crosby was, in in my opinion, the catalyst for the Penguins' comeback. 
despite he, he the fact that he didn't really he didn't even get a point I don't believe in that game but I thought he really was the catalyst and McDavid and Crosby both really lived up to the billing in that game but this time it was obvious who was better uh, Mark Andre Fleury aside because he was great McDavid was by far the best player on the ice. It started with the first shift. He generated a great chance just using his speed. One of those classic McDavid is the only person on the ice that could turn this into a great opportunity just with his speed. And it just continued the whole game. Uh, I mean, he had a career high shots, uh, nine shots on goal. He scored the the game time goal on what, what was something that I, I mean, I think is a little underrated. The fact that he didn't take when the, when the puck came out to him, he could have just shot that one. It probably would have been blocked, but he moved over for just, just a half second and then scored the goal. He also scored the shootout goal, which, you know, is not something he's been great at this year. And he went top chat on that one. It was beautiful. Um, but most importantly, it was just, he, there was a sense of impending doom for the, for the, uh, the penguins every time he came on the ice. I mean, him and dry settle, just looked absolutely phenomenal. I thought it was one of the best games uh, you'll see anyone play ever, and despite he only had one goal. And, of course, though, the weird thing is, is we talk about how everything good is bad and all this stuff. I mean, it would be easy if you just looked at a box score and, uh, and heard a couple things. You could look and say, oh, McDavid missed a breakaway in overtime, which did suck. And he banked the banked the second goal off Cam Talbot's leg. I mean, he scored a goal, but he also was the direct result of another one. And then, of course, didn't finish there. So it'd be very easy to look at that game and kind of say, well, I don't know. I mean, he he had a couple issues, but no, no, no. He had career-high nine shots on goal. He played almost 27 minutes, a career-high, and just an astronomical number for a forward. Uh, and, and he just dominated. So I want to point that out, say he completely outplayed Sidney Crosby in their second matchup of the season. And I'm going to play a clip of him post-game here. I'll, I'll talk about it after. Let me just play it first. Yeah, you know, definitely nice to battle back. Um, you know, I thought we had a good first period. Um, you know, they, they uh, kind of a, a mistake on my part that uh, cost our team. And, um, you know, but we found a way to battle back, and that's real positive. Yeah, it's, it's a confidence boost, I guess. But, you know, we got to find ways to, to get the full two points. And uh, had a good chance there in overtime. A few guys had some good chances in overtime, but... Uh, we didn't bear down and, and finish it, so um, you know, frustrating just to get one, but at the same time, we'll take it. So I, I don't know about all of you guys, but when I heard that, and including he, he talked for another two minutes, and the tone was kind of, it, there was a bit of positivity in there, and the thing that the thing that surprised me, the reason I'm playing it is because it actually, it wasn't what I expected it to be. Uh, I, I, I felt it's only fair to have played this because I was going to play it had it gone the way I expected it to, which was that I thought he was going to come out and just be completely somber and saying that uh, they didn't get the two points. And when asked about his game, he was going to say, well, I mean, I, I, I scored that goal um, for the other team and I didn't score on the breakaway as well. And I thought he was going to be really hard on himself is my point. And I was going to basically come out, put that up there and be like, see, look at this guy. He had one, maybe the best game of his career. Um, or one of the, I shouldn't say that it wasn't the best game of his career, but one of the best games of his career. And he's out here talking about how it wasn't good enough. They didn't get the two points and all that stuff. But although in that clip there, he was kind of had some talking about frustration, some not good enough. He talked about other positives and the next two minutes was for the most part talking about how it was positive and wasn't really hard on himself, which I found very surprising. Like I said, I just, I just thought he was going to have the reaction that it's just not good enough and kind of set that tone. But I'd like to say that despite the fact that I didn't get that, 
we all know he's a complete competitor. We know that he wanted to score that last goal. And it's totally fair for him to see some positives because it was a very positive team effort. And he knows in his heart of hearts that he did play great overall. So no matter what, I will never doubt Connor's character. I will never even, I, I won't even doubt his play. I will never doubt him. But just to be clear, there is a big difference between doubting Connor McDavid and criticizing him. Because right now I am going to criticize him. And I mean, I get that he's not going to be head and shoulders above everyone else every time he hits the ice, but in a big game, and I mean, really, frankly, they're all big games right now, especially with Calgary, who just won't stop winning. I mean, we're not even in the division part of the playoffs now. We're the first wildcard team, but he just, he didn't really show up tonight. I thought this was easily the worst game in recent memory. I've, I've made the point how he's been unbelievable. I think it's now the fast past five games I'm going to count. And in those five games, I think he has six points. I'm talking previous to this one. Uh, I think he had six points in the previous five games, but which which sounds like a lot, but really that's only his, his average. And if you go the whole season, he pretty much scores six points every five games. But the point is, is that I don't look exactly at production. I look at the fact that he has just been unbelievable. I I mean, the stretch that he's been on, he, he should have 10 to 12 points in those in those five games. But tonight was different. Tonight, he just wasn't good. Him and Dreisaitl did not generate anything offensively. They really didn't look dangerous. They, they didn't. There was no need to double shift him all the time. Like, like you can see, the ice time has been up there in recent games because for for uh, for McClellan, he sees that he needs to get McDavid on the ice because he's playing so well. But tonight, that just wasn't the case. He wasn't very good, and I'm not going to go on this for very long. But because I've been raving about him so much and talking about how great he's been lately, it's only fair for me to point out that tonight was one of his worst games, and he really needs to be better than this in the stretch to set the example. And when I say set the example, I, I actually do kind of wonder. Tonight, the team played terribly, and he didn't come out and play great, particularly to start the game, which we've been accustomed to recently. And it's interesting to see, is is it that much of a tone setter when McDavid plays that good? Is it that important for the Oilers that he needs to play great every time he's out there to kind of set the tone for the rest of the team? Just another another food for thought. See going forward if that's anything. But another thing I was going to talk about more was David Darnay's return. I don't really feel the need to talk about it for very long because I don't think he did much tonight. Uh, I thought it was interesting and, and nice of Tom McClellan that they gave him and him, Cassie, and Pooley off the start. It's not something really irregular uh it's not like mcdavid starts every game it's usually the nugent hopkins line and, and i believe the third line started a couple games as well but i just thought it was nice that he put him out there and tonight i don't know i don't think he did very much i don't think he was that great uh, i thought cassian was the one really good player on that line um i just want to point out that because i couldn't talk about it after the pens game i didn't i wasn't i didn't have the forum like i do now uh he won seven of his eight draws against the pens so just something to be happy about and hopefully something you can do going forward and like I said, that um, Cassian was the only good player on the line. I want to talk a little about Benoit Pouliot because this was his second game back. And again, didn't have a chance to talk about it after his first game back. And I thought he looked fine both games. I thought he had, I just thought he looked fine. I don't think he looked great. I don't think he looked bad. I thought he did his role, showed, showed some speed, showed his stick handling. Um, was pretty good defensively both games, which I was happy with. But I mean, I didn't have high expectations for him when he came right back. The thing that I, I just wanted to talk about a little bit though is that Again, although I understand that you need to get him back on the ice now that he's back from from injury and try to get him back in there because he obviously has a chance to, to if he could if he could be the Benoit Pouliot we've seen in years past he would be great on the third line here. I'm just a little skeptical. I think he's been terrible all year and then you come back from injury and I just don't know if he is 
going to be a factor for the Oilers in the playoffs. And I kind of see him as a guy that's just going to go away this summer. I don't know how, but I, I see him kind of being off this roster and just being done with. And I guess I, I guess what I'm saying is I'd be fine with that being expedited. I think that I like Kajula on the line a lot more. And it's tough to, to say that and defend him when last game that he played, he got an assist, and that was the first time he got a point in, I believe, 13 or 14 games. But I also talked about how I really liked the chemistry that was being built between uh, Darnay, Cass, uh, Cassian, and Kajula himself. And I thought that they were one kind of step away from Kajula turning the corner and, and becoming that offensive guy that we've been looking for. So I'd like to see him get the minutes over Benoit Pouliot. But if you are going to give Pouliot the minutes, I think that you should maybe consider setting Kajula down for, say, five, six games right now. If that's what you're thinking, if you do plan on keeping Pouliot in the li- in the lineup, you then go with uh, Pouliot, maybe give Slepeshev a game or something like that. And, and maybe see if Kajula can get a little scoring touchdown in the minors. But if he's going to be up here, I think Kajula should be playing more over Pouliot just for chemistry purposes. I think he has that, that line with him, Darren, and Cassian has a real chance to be a quality third line going down the stretch here. And, of course, the point totals aren't much different. I mean, Kajula has four goals, seven assists, 11 points in 47 games. Pouliot has five goals, five assists, 10 points in now 53 games. So both of them have been underwhelming. I guess the difference is that I feel like this year's just been completely trending downward for Pouliot, whereas Kajula, I feel like, is just like just one away from, from really getting it and having a chance. Also, the big issue with Pouliot has been his issues with penalties this year. It's been terrible. It's been really, really bad. And he tripped his man right off the draw with three minutes left. And if Radulov didn't get a roughing call himself, then uh, that would have basically spent the end of the night, spelled the end of the night for the Oilers. If they if they went down, I mean, obviously they didn't end up scoring anyway. But had they gone down a man with just a, with just three minutes left, that would have been devastating. And it just, uh, I mean, even though the other man, the other guy got the penalty, Radulov. I if I'm coaching McClellan, I'm looking at Pula and saying, "Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me?" Like, this has been your issue all year. You come back and you take a stupid penalty like this. So, just something something to keep your eye on. And the last thing I wanted to talk about tonight was a little bit of news that started with an Elliot Freeman tweet about Zach Aston Reist, who is one of the top prospects from college this year. Uh, Back in January, SB Nation actually had, uh, um, had ranked Aston Reist as the number one college prospect. But here's what Friedman had tweeted. Northeastern eliminated in NCAA by Boston University. Talks can begin with Zach Aston Reese, Edmonton, Ottawa, Vancouver, among the Canadian contenders. And then Bob Stoffer tweeted right after Zach Aston Reese described as a tough, competitive winger who scores goals from 15 feet in. Lived with Oilers Matt Benning for two years at Northeastern. He has 31 goals, 63 assists, and sorry, no more tweeting more. This is what his stats. He has 31 goals, 63 points. And 72 penalty minutes in 37 games this season with Northeastern. And the profile from Jeff Cox at SB Nation College Hockey says that he projects as a bottom six forward. He says that many of his goals have come off tips, rebounds, or in tight. Not many highlight reel goals. He also says he's good in the defensive zone, a puck hound all over the ice, can kill penalties, and chip in offensively from time to time. His coach Jim Madigan says he loves him because he's a 200-foot complete player. So... College free agents are becoming a growing part of how teams get better in the offseason. It's clearly a trend that's moving to become more and more uh, common. You obviously see guys like Vessi. You see guys uh, like Troy Stetcher. Obviously, we got Kajula this year. Um, And you have to just imagine that we're in a much better position now to land these guys. Obviously, we did get 
what's his name, Schultz, a few years ago, which didn't turn out well. But that we had Gretzky get in there, all this stuff. But the point is, right now, we are a destination. Playing with Connor McDavid and being on this roster is a is something people want. And so just looking forward with this trend growing, it's, it's something to be excited about as Oilers fans that we might get more players like this. Um, and that's all I have for you today. The next game comes two days from now. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? Next game is on Tuesday, 7 PM puck drop mountain time at home against the Dallas stars. So until then, so long oil country.